Alex Tui will no longer join the Zags and will instead play professionally in Australia next year. Hear what caused the sudden reversal and how it impacts Gonzaga next year and beyond. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on y'all welcome to the locked on zags podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day i am your host and longtime gonzaga podcaster andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things zag athletics today's episode of locked on zags is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of the locked on podcast network make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started well, folks, happy Monday. We are talking all about Alex Tui today. He is no longer coming to Gonzaga. That's going to be the focus for today. We're going to look at the decision made by Alex, why he made it. Of course, we're going to talk about how it impacts Gonzaga for next year, what the rotation will look like, if it's going to be any different, all of that stuff. And then we'll talk about the fact that Gonzaga now has three open scholarships on the roster. What does it mean? What are we expecting to see them do? Uh, some no, more updates on some potential transfers they may be pursuing. All that good stuff wrapped up today. But we're going to start talking about Alex Tui. And, and I'll be honest, I kind of teased this on, on previous shows last week that I was prepping a show about Alex Tui, uh, his role, his, you know, his previous experience, where he was ranked, all that stuff. And so I already had a lot of these notes kind of written out to talk about him. We're just now going to kind of switch that conversation a little bit more. Uh, Tui, for those who weren't super familiar with him, and we hadn't talked a ton about him up to this point, uh, six foot seven, kind of power forward, small forward hybrid. He's from Australia, which is where he is going to stay instead of coming to Gonzaga. Uh, he committed to Gonzaga uh, after having offers from Michigan, Villanova, and Davidson. So he was a pretty highly sought after prospect uh, after his time in the MBL. M- MBL excuse me. He's a four-star prospect. Uh, I think, 24-7 sports had them outside the top 100. I think their composite rankings had them like 115. Their individual rankings had them 150th. I don't really take 24-7 sports' rankings of international players all that seriously, uh, just because I think it's really difficult to compare you know, 160 high school kids to four or five guys who played overseas and at a different level. Like It's just a, it's a really difficult exercise. And we've seen a lot of, you know, Rui Hachimura was not, particularly well-regarded as a prospect. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis wasn't, Shemek Karnowski wasn't. Like Gonzaga has brought in international players who have come in and made an immediate impact or at least developed into making a really significant impact. So I don't know that the, the those rankings necessarily matter all of that much. And for Tui, he was kind of billed as a competitive guy who could defend one through four. That was a big part of the appeal for him is he's a, a multifaceted defensive player uh, labeled as a Swiss army knife as well. And he just finished his, his first season in the NBL one league in Australia. He played 16 minutes or excuse me, 16 games, 28 minutes per game for a team called center of excellence. Uh, and he dominated. I mean, he was really good. He averaged 18 points, five and a half boards, 2.7 assists, uh, 1.2 steals and just under a block per game. He shot 56% from the field and he had four double doubles. And so we were we were kind of getting some optimism around how he was performing in Australia, looking like a guy who could be you know pretty impactful for Gonzaga. Still unclear whether that was going to happen in year one. And then he makes the decision to stay in Australia and play for the Sydney Kings. It's part of the NBL's new next stars program so it's kind of a development league it sounds like that's coming up in australia uh and, and they invited tui to, to participate in this league and he said yes 
And uh, it sounds like it was something that came together somewhat recently, which is why this was not, you know, it, it came as a shock to a lot of people, myself included. We weren't expecting this to happen. And, and it's because it wasn't an option that had really been presented to Alex until, until somewhat recently. And they had some tough decisions to make. And for those of you who read the ESPN article uh, by Jonathan Gavoni, I'm not not trashing the article. It was a fantastically written article. But the headline, I believe it phrased it as Gonzaga or Alex Tui spurns Gonzaga and I thought that that was a little bit of a misleading title. And I spoke to somebody uh, close to Alex who effectively confirmed that and said, yes, you know, it was a, a really hard decision for us. In fact, uh, this person said specifically, we have the greatest respect for Gonzaga, uh, Mark Few and his coaching staff. They have been professional in all of our dealings. Mark Few is a class act. So in case anybody was worried or concerned, it's never fun to lose a recruit. It's never fun to lose a, uh, to have a player decommit, especially this close to the season. This doesn't happen to Gonzaga all that often. Uh, in a in an offseason where we've already seen three players enter the transfer portal, which is unheard of for Gonzaga. Of course, the rules have changed very recently, which is part of it. But still, for them to have three players enter the transfer portal, a player that many people felt would return to school who did not in Malachi Smith, and then to also lose a player as a decommit, I can understand why there's a, a, maybe a, a bit of uneasiness, some uncertainty. And I can't speak to every single one of these situations, uh, but I can speak to this situation with Alex in, in that this was had nothing to do with Mark Few. It had nothing to do with not wanting to play at Gonzaga or have anything to do with, with the program at all. It just had to do with the fact that they got an opportunity to stay in Australia, play professionally in a new, you know, kind of an up and coming league and get paid to do it. I mean, he's going to be a professional basketball player. He's going to get paid to do it. I think that's a big element here too, because yes, obviously you can get paid to be a college athlete, but for international students, it's more complicated. NIL rules don't really apply to them. And there's some, some intricacies there. Like the belief that international students are just not going to make any money in college is false. They can find ways to, to get these guys cash, like legal ways. They're not, they're not cheating the system. There are ways to still make sure these, these student athletes get paid, but it is more complicated. And at the end of the day, Playing professionally in your home country in a new opportunity because you got invited specifically because of how well you were performing, it's really hard to turn that down. Like, I don't know very many people who would. And look, Alex and his family and everybody, I'm there. I'm sure they're very plugged into what's going on at Gonzaga. You know, Anton Watson returning, Graham E.K. coming in, of course, as a transfer. Uh, Yo being a player that I don't know how much, you know, Alex has seen him or, or played with him necessarily, but knows that he's a similar height and kind of a similar position to him. Steel Venters is a six foot seven wing who comes in as well. And so I think for Tui, they're kind of looking at this and thinking, hey, Gonzaga's great at developing talent. And they are. Uh, their their track record of de developing international talent is uh, incredible. I, we The aforementioned DeMontis Sabonis, Shemek Karnowski, Rui Hachimura. There's many, many others. Roni Turioff, if you want to go back a little bit farther. like There's tons and tons of very successful international players who have come to Gonzaga. And Gonzaga's ability to develop them from when they get to campus to when they leave is, I mean, it's it speaks for itself. All of those players are great examples. Joe Eliai, Killian Tilly, the list goes on and on. But for Tui, I think that seeing the writing was on the wall in terms of how much playing time he was going to get next season. I postulated on this podcast a handful of times, you everyday listeners probably heard it, that I'm not sure he's even going, he was even going to play next year. Like I think he, he there was a pretty good chance he was going to redshirt similar to what Braden Huff did last year. And th there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't, maybe the coaching staff told him that I, I doubt they committed to it. You don't commit to redshirting a player in June. You're going to see how things play out. But I, I, I suspect that they had some 
they they were probably fairly aware of what his playing time situation was going to be coming into the season. And of course, you know, you'd want them to have bought into to developing over time, like many of these other guys have, but they just got another opportunity. He got another opportunity to develop in a system that is in his home country where he can get paid professionally without having to go through these weird uh, intricacies of, of NIL for an international student. And, and it's just kind of safer and more secure and, and a really appealing option. I, I think that it makes so much sense for the Tuies to do this, for Alex to make this decision that I don't think that there's really any reason to look into this other than, oh, that's unfortunate for us that it happened this way. But you kind of just say, okay, good for you. Good luck. I hope everything works out. Like, I don't really think there's much more to this story than that. And I, and I hope that there aren't, I, I know that there's some hand wringing and certainly this has been a unique off season for Gonzaga. And this is another part of that unique off season for Gonzaga, but it's just, I'm not concerned about this as all this just, this seems like something that just, there was a series of events that led to this that all make complete sense to me. So I, I don't think it's something to read too far into, but while it may not have a huge impact on Gonzaga's rotation next season, it does give the team another scholarship to potentially dish out in the transfer portal. So we're going to talk about what that means for Gonzaga for next season, coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. Zag fans, perhaps you want to make a bet regarding Marco Gonzalez and the Mariners or Eli Morgan and the Guardians. Either way, don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen and your first watch or your first watch of the day. Uh, for you everyday listeners, we're going to continue to look at how the NBA draft impacted Julian Strother, Andrew Timmy, of course, Malachi Smith signing with the Blazers as well. We're also going to talk about how it impacted the Zags in the NBA. What does it mean for Jalen Suggs that Orlando drafted Anthony Black? What does it mean for Kelly Olynyk that the... Uh, Atlanta Hawks just traded John Collins to the Utah Jazz. Like we're going to talk about all of that. We're also going to continue to look at Gonzaga's roster and some more transfer portal updates, which is what I want to talk about here in the second segment, because I don't think Alex Tui was going to have a big role in the 2023-24 season. And I think that now with three open scholarships, Gonzaga's not going to go into the season with three open scholarships. It's not going to happen. They might go in with one. I think they probably will go in with one. I guess that's a good way to put it. They might go in with two, which would be a little bit surprising, but they're not going to go in with three. So something is going to change. However, part of the reason I said I don't know that Alex Tui is going to be in the rotation is because I think the rotation might already be set. They might have the eight guys that are going to play most of the minutes next season. We know, and for those of you who are everyday listeners, we've, ta- we've had this conversation a handful of times, so we're going to kind of speed through it a little bit. But we know that six players are locked into rotation spots next season. Anton Watson, Graham E.K., Ben Gregg in the front court, Steel Venters, Nolan Hickman, Ryan Nemhart in the back court. Those six players are ironclad rotation players next season. Barring an injury or some significant disaster for any of those players, those six guys are going to play a bunch of minutes next year. 
But Gonzaga's going to probably play seven or eight, maybe nine, although every year we talk about the Zags playing nine-man rotation, and they almost never actually do play a nine-man rotation, so I would expect it's probably going to be eight, which means there are two spots left. Jun Sakyo is a huge question mark. What role he plays changes the dynamic for Gonzaga in a significant way. If he is ready to be a big-time contributor, like 25, 30 minutes per game, that changes everything. Then he becomes he's joins that mix. You have seven guys now. Your eighth guy is probably Dusty Stromer would be my guess there. And then your nine and ten guys are Caden Perry or Braden Huff. Either or both those guys are bigs, which kind of means you have a lot of depth going on in the front court, significantly less depth in the back court. Um, depending on on where you want to play Steel Venters, he might play more of the two with Yo playing more of the three. I think that's pretty likely if Yo is ready to play that those kind of minutes. If he's not, if he's going to need a bit more time like the Rui Hachimura uh, development plan where he didn't really play much outside of garbage time as a, a freshman, then there's a little bit more room. I still think Stromer sneaks in, so I think that's seven right there. Your eighth man is probably Caden Perry if he's healthy. Maybe Braden Huff. A lot of the players, Julian Strother talked up Braden Huff. Drew Timmy talked up Braden Huff. Anton Watson talked up Braden Huff. So perhaps Braden Huff ends up being that eighth man. In that situation, you're pretty thin at guard in your rotation because you would have, let's say it's Braden Huff. You'd have Huff, Watson, EK, Greg are all locked into front court roles. And then you have Venters, Hickman, Nempard, and Stromer. And I think that that works, but I think it's still, it's just a little imbalanced. It's a little imbalanced. It forces Nem- or it forces Venters to play much more uh, at the two, I think. But I, I think that Gonzaga now has some, some stuff they have to figure out, some things that they have to play with, because if they feel like they have a rotation set, if they feel like the eight players that they have or the seven players that they have or nine or whatever it is, if they feel like, hey, all these guys need X amount of minutes per game and we don't have a whole lot left over, then that's going to make it more interesting to figure out what they want to do with those final roster spots because you're not going to go add somebody who's not going to play or you can try, but they're not going to commit to you if you're not going to promise them playing time or they'll, you know, you'll get a situation like you got with Hefton Reed last year where you bring somebody in with the, I assume, hope of developing them kind of gradually or or at least over the course of a year or two. And he decided he didn't want to stay. And I don't blame Efton for that. I've made that very clear on this podcast, but it's harder to draft or it's harder to get guys to come to your school and then wait a little bit before playing. So that's kind of where Gonzaga is at right now. However, I do think there are players out there that Gonzaga could pursue in the transfer portal that would play right away. All of them are guards. There is one potential loan exception, and that is Jesse Edwards, former Syracuse big man who transferred to West Virginia. Of course, all the players at West Virginia are getting the opportunity to re-enter the transfer portal. Edwards up to this point has not done so and has not given any indication that he is planning to. So if he does, then I think Gonzaga definitely jumps in. They were a finalist for him. He's a big man with excellent rim protecting skills. It would really mess up Gonzaga's front court. I mean, not mess it up, but it would... They would have too many players in the front court. Ben Gregg would be your fourth big. He would he, His playing time would almost go down from last year, and that doesn't feel right to me. Maybe they would play Ben at the three. We've talked about some big Gonzaga lineups in the past, something like Edwards at the five, Watson at the four, Gregg at the three. Maybe, maybe they would try to do that. I don't know. I don't think that if Gonzaga is making an addition for a player in the transfer portal who is going to play a legitimate role on this team next season, I do not think that it'll be somebody in the front court. I think it'll be a backcourt option. 
And there are backcourt options. In fact, Gonzaga is already connected to a couple of them. One of them we talked about last week on the show. Go back and check it out in your feed. If you missed it, it was about Rutgers guard Paul Mulcahy. Mulcahy, 37% three-point shooter last year for Rutgers. He's a true point guard. He averaged about five assists per game. The fit is a little bit odd because if they brought him in, they would have three legitimate point guards in Ryan Nembhard, Nolan Hickman, and Paul Mulcahy, and not as somebody would have to play significantly off the ball. We already kind of expect that Hickman's going to play more off the ball next season because of Ryan Nembhard coming in. But if you bring in somebody like Mulcahy, you just have a lot of guys who have a very good skill set on ball and not as many guys who have experience off the ball. And I think that that, I think they could work with that. I think Gonzaga would figure it out, but it would be, it makes him a bit of an odd fit. Other players, and I will talk about him more on a next on a podcast later this week. That's West Virginia transfer guard Joe Toussaint. Uh, Toussaint uh, entered the transfer portal after the Bob Huggins fiasco and him losing his job. Uh, they have since uh, promoted an assistant head coach to be their interim head coach. They're trying to keep that team together. I don't blame them. They made tremendous additions in the transfer portal, but their plan to keep the team together hasn't gone all that well so far. Now, Kirk Creesa did enter the transfer portal and then decide to stay at West Virginia, that's a huge potential addition for them. But they lost Trey Mitchell. He already entered the portal and went to Kentucky. He was one of their better players. And now we're seeing a couple other players already enter the portal. Toussaint is one. Uh, he averaged 9.4 points per game and 2.6 assists last year. He's not a great three-point shooter under 33% last year. But Gonzaga has, connect, has contacted him. We know that they are one of the schools that has reached out to Toussaint since he has entered the transfer portal. They are not viewing him as somebody that you would bring over and then not play. He would be a part of Gonzaga's rotation. I don't think that he would start. I think that he would be the third guard, most likely, depending on whether you count Venters as a guard or a forward there. But to, he's not big. He's a smaller guard. I think that's kind of a bit of an issue. I, I, okay, he's big, at least. I think he's 6'6". Like have, adding a bigger guard, I think, would be appealing. That's not who Toussaint is. He's pretty small, but he's talented he's played at the big 12 level he has experience and certainly would would be more than capable of contributing to gonzaga if they wanted to use him in that role we're going to talk more about Toussaint in a future episode as well mind you but there are other options too in the transfer portal a lot of them have dried up but there are still good players out there who could contribute a couple that come to mind for me noah williams started his career at washington state transferred to washington if you wanted to come back to the east side of the state, play at Gonzaga. Heck, maybe he'll go grad transfer to Seattle U and just kind of hit all four of them if he's capable of doing it. Uh, Noah Williams, I, Gonzaga hasn't been connected to him that I have seen uh, publicly at least, but certainly a, a guard capable of filling a third or fourth guard role for Gonzaga next season. Jalen Carey from Rhode Island is another player that's been on my radar for a while. Averaged about 10 points per game last year for Rhode Island. Not a very good three-point shooter, so wouldn't really help Gonzaga in what I think is a, a relatively key area of need for them but still the kind of guard that could come in and contribute in that kind of Aaron Cook, Geno Crandall type role for this team in the future. But again, as we already noted, Gonzaga doesn't really want to play more than seven or eight guys. So they have options to fill some of these roster spots that aren't putting players on the team who are going to need to play because they may not have room to do so. So that's what I want to do is I want to close out the show discussing other options for Gonzaga and these three final roster spots coming up right after this. Folks, segment three here, still any patents, still locked on Zags, and we're still talking about Alex Tui's departure from Gonzaga and the ripple effect that it has had on the roster, because right now the Zags have three open scholarships. They have brought in four new players 
for next season. Of course, the three transfers, Steel Venters, Ryan Nemhard, and Graham E.K. They also bring in Dusty Stromer. They have lost seven players now uh, from last season's roster. That would, of course, be the three transfers in Dominic Harris, Efton Reed, and Hunter Salas. You also lose Drew Timmy and Julian Strother and Malachi Smith and Rasir Bolton all out the door. Seven guys out, four guys in, three roster spots to play with. I think there's a chance that Gonzaga has one open spot in their rotation next season, but I'm not sure that they're not going to add three players who are all going to play big minutes next year. They just, they don't have the room for that. Something else would have to change. And hopefully that is not going to be the case, but they could potentially bring in one player who fills a role, whether it's Paul Mulcahy from Rutgers, like we talked about, whether it's Toussaint from West Virginia, whether it's another option out there, but if Gonzaga wants to figure out another option with these open scholarships that doesn't bring in a player who is expecting 12, 15, 20, 25 minutes per game next year, there are things they can do. They could look at a transfer who is in the portal, who is going to, who is not going to be eligible to play next season because it is their second time transferring. Most of the players in those situations are attempting to get waivers. Many of them are getting their waivers approved. Uh, as far as I know, Efton Reed's has had a waiver approved to play at Wake Forest next year. I don't know if that's finalized or not, but I believe that is the, the plan that they are pursuing. Many other players are pursuing similar paths next season. But if there was a player who... Gonzaga could find who was willing to sit out the year or wasn't going to get the waiver approved, uh, who was just going to, you know, I mean, Gonzaga's had so much success getting players to transfer, sit out a year and then explode the following year. Kelly Olenek is the best example. He didn't obviously transfer in, but he did the sit out. Uh, Kyle Wilcher, Jonathan Williams, Brandon Clark, Nigel Williams, Goss, like they have had, this is a, a really successful development plan for Gonzaga. And because the transfer portal has changed so dramatically and because players don't have to sit out a year, they don't really get to do this as often. We will see what happens with Braden Huff. That is potentially the kind of development that Gonzaga has done in the past really successfully. We will see if they are man manage to do it again with, with Huff. I think that there's good, good reason for optimism around that with what they've done with those kinds of players in the past. But they have to find somebody willing to come and sit out for a year. And in today's era of college basketball, guys don't really want to do that. I don't blame them. I've said this um, countless times in the show. I don't really blame Efton Reed for leaving, but it's hard to bring players in who aren't going to play right away. And that, I mean, that's amongst many other reasons. That's why it's very clear that EK Nemhart and Venters are all going to play big minutes next season. They're all also very clearly good enough to play big minutes for Gonzaga next year, but you don't bring guys in to not play very often it ends up, they end up usually just leaving again. That's what we saw with Reed. And that's what a, a lot of other programs are running into with, with many of the players that they're bringing in too. So for Gonzaga, that makes this a little bit trickier. There are names and I'm not going to go through all of them because figuring out who all is going to have to get a waiver approved, et cetera, et cetera, is really complicated. But I think if Gonzaga were to contact players who are expecting to sit out next year or don't think they'll get a waiver approved or for whatever reason are, are willing to, to not play next season and Gonzaga can say, hey, look what we've done with Olenek and Clark and et cetera, all those names that we just talked about, that is an appeal. That's an appealing process that Gonzaga could go through and, and find guys who might fit into that mold. Other options for Gonzaga, uh, sim somebody similar to Alex Dewey, an international prospect in the class of 2023. Like that's, there's no reason to not fill the roster spot kind of the same way that it's been, that it was filled before. Uh, there are a lot of international players that are potentially still available out there. And 
Alex was one of the highest ranked international players. Again, the rankings on international players are tough and not always easy to, they're difficult to do. So I don't know that I trust them all that much, I guess is the best way to put it. But if they could find somebody who, it doesn't even have to be international player. There are still unsigned players in the class of 2023, none in the top 150, I don't think. And so you're, you're going to be getting a three-star guy, you know, maybe not somebody who's super exciting, but perhaps they find somebody who they think has some untapped potential, who they can redshirt and get him stronger and get him working on certain things. Um, perhaps they can find an international player. Somebody, you know, Tommy Lloyd has been very busy on the international recruiting trail for Arizona this year. They've landed some some Eastern Europeans for the class of 2023. I'm sure there's other guys out there that, that Gonzaga has checked out or is familiar with or is willing to go check out. And to me, that feels like the easiest way to fill this roster spot. Find somebody who's willing to come to Gonzaga, international student, they sit out a year or redshirt a year or play very sparingly in their freshman year, but you're getting them as a developmental piece. They come to the United States. They, you know, if there's a language barrier, they, they overcome that. They overcome just being in a different country. There's a lot of complications with that. That's why it's hard for international freshmen to be successful right away. Uh, and then they develop and grow and learn. And then as next year rolls around and the roster continues to change, Anton Watson will certainly be out the door uh, and there's more room to potentially play more and kind of have your role expand over time. To me, that makes the most sense. You had a plan with Alex Tui. That roster spot was being used for a specific plan. Bring somebody in who's as close to equivalent as possible and kind of just have the same plan. Makes the most sense to me. There's other options too for Gonzaga ones that I think are a little bit less likely. They could sign someone in the class of 2024 and have that player reclassify to 2023. This is Sort of what Ben Gregg did, his situation was impacted by COVID uh, a little bit more so. But most guys who reclassify do it with the intention of playing right away as true freshmen. So I don't know that that option really works for Gonzaga to, you know, if, if they do somehow or if they are able to get like Zoom Diallo, who's their, one of their top targets in the class of 2024, and he wanted to reclassify to 2023, it would be because they want him to play. That might not necessarily be that bad of a thing. In fact, Zoom as their fourth, third or fourth guard as a true freshman um, alongside Dusty Stromer would be excellent. I don't think it's going to happen, but there are options that could potentially, that is an option they could potentially pursue. And then the last option, which is the, I, I think the, the least exciting option, uh, but a, a very practical one is just give the scholarships to walk-ons. I don't know the exact scholarship situation with Colby Brooks and Abe Eagle, but like if they're still just walk-ons, put them on scholarship. You know, like, why not? Those guys have earned it. They're busting their butts in practice. We got to see them in game action last year. Or if there's other walk-ons who show up and you want to put them on scholarship, great. Like, I, I, would, I wouldn't love it if Joe Few got on scholarship just because I don't know that he really needs to be on scholarship. But, like, I'm, I'm not going to be mad about it either. I, it's, it's, a, it's a simple, not as exciting, not as fun to talk about solution, but one that makes a lot of sense. Matthew Lang got on a scholarship, to, I think, in the second semester of his senior year. At Gonzaga, he ended up being on a scholarship, and we've seen plenty of other walk-ons ultimately earn scholarships uh, at some point or another. And if Gonzaga is going to have many, many scholarships available right now, they have three, and they don't necessarily have rotation spots to fill, putting walk-ons on scholarship just makes a ton of sense to me. We're going to continue to update you on what these roster spots, I mean, these three roster spots are going to be a big talking point from now until November, until they are no longer three available roster spots on Gonzaga's roster. So we'll continue to update you on transfer portal stuff, continue to update on any other things they may or may not do with these roster spots. Best of luck to Alex in, in Australia with the Sydney Kings. I'm very excited for him. I'm happy for him. I'm looking forward to tracking how he does and, and what it'll be a little sad if he absolutely kills it, which I think he's going to, uh, to know that we're missing out on him. But again, getting a chance to play in your home country, uh, 
just a really, really cool opportunity for him. And I'm, I'm very happy for him. All right. That is going to wrap us up for today. Thank you all for listening. Shout out to the everyday listeners who check us out on YouTube as well. If you want to become an everyday listener, just go hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Get notified when videos get popped up. Uh, again, more content coming your way this week. Talk about the transfer portal, talking about Zags in the NBA, continuing to kind of get all the Zag stuff going five days a week. We're not done, folks. We're going to be five days a week from now through the rest of July at least, and we'll still be giving you shows a couple times a week in August and September as well. All right, folks, thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your Monday, and go Zags.